The supernatural and healing the sick is a polarizing topic for many Christians today, and that's understandable to a degree. I'm also aware that there is a lot of emotion and sensitivity that can cloud much of our conversation around this as well, so please hear my heart and love over these next few episodes as I do my best to share what has greatly helped me to see the sick healed and set people free, because that's the ultimate goal at the end of it, to see all of us live in the abundant life that Jesus said he came to give us. That's John chapter 10 verses 10. And I want to kick off this series by laying down a foundation and giving us a broad overview of healing the sick with the aim to get a bit more detailed in the following episodes. And in this episode, I want to start with of these three questions. Number one, is it always the will of God to heal? Number two, what reveals the will of God for us? And number three, why don't we always see the sick healed? You see, Christians who don't believe we can heal the sick generally don't see it, while those who do believe it often go on to see genuine instances of it. And this isn't a coincidence. This is what I believe Jesus meant when he said, let it be unto you according to your faith. That's Matthew chapter 9 verse 29. Let it be unto you according to your faith. In other words, your faith gets what it expects. And that's why those who don't expect to see healing genuinely don't, while those who do expect to see healing often do. You see, Christianity is supernatural from the beginning. It commenced with a supernatural virgin birth, was culminated through the miracles of Jesus, confirmed through his resurrection, and then continued through his disciples and many believers today. And I myself have seen many people healed through my own hands because my faith expects to see healing. And that's what I want to encourage your faith for, to encourage your faith for healing so that we can all see more people set free. And I want to begin by asking the question, is it the will of God to heal? At any given time, at any given moment, if you're to pray for the sick right now, is the will of God backing you? Now, this is important to know because your and my position on that will determine how we respond to both Scripture and life. What I mean by that is this. If I don't believe that it's the will of God to heal, or if I just don't know if it's His will to heal, then when I'm presented with Scriptures that say to contend for healing, I'll be hesitant, double-minded, and passive concerning healing. And then when life presents me with the real situation of somebody in need of healing, that same hesitation, double-mindedness and passivity will flow over and I won't contend in faith for them. Now I might pray because I sincerely care, but the reality is I'm not established in faith. And so I'll pray more from a position of maybe he will, maybe he won't, I don't really know, but let's pray anyway because it's the Christian thing to do. And then it becomes religious, rhetoric, cliche, and it's a form of godliness without substance. There's no faith in it. Why? Because you don't know or you just don't believe that it's as well. There's no faith. And so what we conform to then is fingers crossed type prayers where we're hoping and supposing that he does something but we don't really know. It's kind of like the lottery. So let's just roll the dice and see what he'll do today. And then we wonder why we don't see great moves of faith. On the flip side of that though, if you are established in the faith and you've determined in your heart that it's the will of God to heal at any given time, well now you're ready to fight. And when scripture presents you with promises concerning healing, it exhorts you, that builds you up, it edifies you. And then when life presents you with real situations of people in need of healing, well now you're ready to go, you're ready to fight, and you've realized it has given you a sling and a rock and you'll slay giants. And that's been my stance since 2010 when I decided in my heart that it was the will of God to heal the sick at any given time, I saw a dramatic increase in healings. And not just in the amount of healings, but even in the type of healings. In my own hands, I've seen over 400 people healed, laid hands on them, command healing in the name of Jesus, bam, they're healed. I've seen at least seven legs grow out. It's, it's bizarre every single time, and some people might be hearing this going, well, that is, that's a bit out of it. Well, it's a common thing. In fact, one in three people often have one leg shorter than the other. And I've prayed for people and seen these things come right out, and it's bizarre every single time. 
I've prayed for people who've been fully deaf or partially deaf, their ears open, they go to the doctors, get verified, and now they have their hearing back. I've prayed for people who couldn't read the writing on the back of the wall, they're now crying with their family because their eyesight's been restored and they can now read the writing on the back of the wall. And the reason for that is because I established in my heart that it was the will of God to heal the sick. And that's why I'm posing this question, is it the will of God to heal the sick? Because your position on that would determine how we respond to both scripture and life. Your faith gets what it expects. Now, before we can answer that question, we must first answer a prior question. And that prior question is this, what determines the will of God for us? What is the reference point? What is the standard? What is the framework that we draw the will of God from? Well, the short answer to that is Jesus. If you want to know what the Father is like, you look to the Son, because when you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. In John chapter 1, verses 18, John says, No one has seen God at any time, but now the one and only Son has revealed Him to us. No one. Who? No one has seen God at any time. When? At any time. In the message translation, it says, not even a glimpse. No one has seen God at any time, not even a glimpse, but now the one and only Son has revealed Him to us. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1, it says, In times past, God spoke to us through the prophets, but in these last days, He has now spoken to us by His Son. No one has seen God at any time, but now the one and only Son has revealed Him to us. In times past, God spoke to us through the prophets, but in these last days, He has now spoken to us by His Son. In John chapter 14, verses 9, Philip asked Jesus the question. He says, Jesus, show us the Father, and that'll be sufficient for us. Show us what God is like, and that'll settle it for us. And Jesus' response to Philip was, Philip, how is it that you don't yet understand? When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. If you want to know what the Father is like, you look to the Son, because when you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. In Hebrews chapter 1 verses 3, it says Jesus is the perfect expression and representation of the Father. In Colossians chapter 1 verses 15, it says Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. God is who Jesus was. That's our reference point. That's the standard. And that's the framework that we draw the will of God from. And yet even in that, people will say, well, come on now, brother, find balance, have wisdom. You can't know the will of God. Yet Ephesians 5 17 says, don't be unwise, but know the will of God. Romans 12.2 says to renew your mind so that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Colossians 1.9, Paul says, I pray that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So the will of God can be known. It's no longer a mystery. It's been revealed through the Son, and he is our reference point, the standard and the framework that we draw the will of God from. So now that we've answered that question, we can go back to the first question, is it the will of God to heal? Well, when we observe the life of Jesus, who is the revealed will of God, one thing we see instantly is that everybody that he ever prayed for and everybody that ever came to him was healed. Not once did he turn somebody away. Not once did he fail to get it done. No, every single person that he ever prayed for was healed. And if he is the standard and revealed will of God, then that's the standard we go for. He said, follow me. Not once did Jesus ever say to a sick person, hey, look, it's not God's timing, but if you come back in three days, we might be able to get it done then. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 2, Paul says, Today is the day of salvation. Not once did Jesus ever say, Hey, look, you've been out of line these last few months, so the sickness is actually sent from us to teach you a lesson, hopefully to shape and mold you to the person we want you to be, so hang in there, our grace is sufficient. Not once did he ever say that. And people often refer to Paul's thorn in the flesh here, and they completely misunderstand what Paul was talking about. He never once revert, referred to sickness. 
And that's another teaching for another time. But you get what I mean. The only two things in Scripture that God gives us for teaching is the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures. Why? Because God doesn't need sickness to teach us because the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures are sufficient to teach us. So be careful whenever you and I say that sickness is from God to teach us a lesson because not once do we see that in the life of Jesus. Not once do we see Jesus ever saying to a sick person, hey, look, your unbelief is just too big for me. Can you imagine Jesus praying for a sick person that doesn't get done and he says to them, dude, your unbelief, too big for me. And that's probably the excuse that we use the most in Christianity. We pray for somebody, we don't see them healed, so we put it back on them and we say it's their fault again. That is so condemning. All we're saying is that their revelation of unbelief is greater than your revelation of the cross, only revealing that what you need then is a greater revelation of the cross so that you can help them in their time of need. And often we'll pull Nazareth into this one, the town of unbelief. Look, the issue of Nazareth was this. They grew up with Jesus. They knew exactly who he was. And Jesus said a prophet is accepted everywhere except his own hometown. So the reason why Jesus couldn't do many works in Nazareth is because they rejected him. They closed the doors on him. They did not believe in who he was now professing himself to be. That's why he couldn't do many works. Come on, can you imagine Jesus in Nazareth praying praying over a lame man saying, rise up, and then it doesn't work? And then he rubs his hands together and says, let me try that again. Rise up. You see, it sounds foolish when we stop and think about it, and it is foolish. We didn't get these excuses from Jesus. We created them from our experiences and hurts mixed with religion. And I can tell you testimony after testimony of seeing people healed who were even laughing at me while I was praying for them. I once prayed for a mongrel mob gang member who was laughing at me. Then three minutes later, he's stone-faced sitting down with me trying to understand what just happened because now he was healed. Mark chapter 16 says that healing follows the believers, not the one being prayed for. It follows the believers, you and I. Not once did Jesus ever put an excuse on people or on God. No, every single person that he ever prayed for and every single person that ever came to him was healed. And he's the revealed will of God. So is it the will of God to heal? Well, when we observe the life of Jesus, who was the revealed will of God, we get an absolute and resounding yes. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 20 says, The promises of God are yes and amen in Him. Not yes and no, yes and maybe, yes I don't know. No, the yes and amen in Him. Key word, in Him. If you've established Him as the revealed will of God and you are established in Him, then the promises of God to you will be yes and amen. But if you establish yourself in everything else but Him, then the promises of God to you might be yes and no, yes and maybe, yes I don't know. And that's where the hesitation, the double-mindedness, the passivity and the inability to contend in faith comes from. Your faith gets what it expects. The promises of God are yes and amen in Him. Be established in Him because Jesus is the revealed will of God. But now let's be honest. Not everybody we've prayed for has been healed. That's been my experience so far. I've prayed for people and not seen them healed. I've prayed for people and lost them. I've prayed for people on their deathbed, then 24, 48 hours later, they're gone. I've stood over caskets, man. I've commanded people to come back to life in Jesus' name, and I've not seen it happen yet. But one thing I don't do is relent and turn back and start saying this doesn't work. No, I keep my eyes on the truth. I keep my eyes on the revealed will of God, Jesus, and I keep following Him. You see, one of the biggest mistakes we make today when we don't see somebody healed is that we now begin to define God through our experiences instead of through the Son. And then we create spiritual analogies to comfort our hurting hearts, but it comes at the cost of truth. And that truth is the only thing that will set us free to run this race properly, fully, and powerfully. 
You see, too often we pray for somebody, we don't see it happen, we take a step back and then we create theologies to make ourselves feel comfortable in our inability to see breakthrough for them, only to leave people in a rut. And that ain't cool. I'm not cool with that. And then we begin to allow our experiences to define God and we let human wisdom, human thinking, human rationale and the unrenewed mind and the mind of the fallen nature to creep in and then we fall into analyzing the experience and before we know it, we've convinced ourselves out of the will of God to heal at all. And it'll seem right, it'll sound right, it'll look right and it'll feel right, but it's eating our lunch. Proverbs chapter 14 verses 12 says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in destruction. There's a way that'll seem right to you and I. It'll seem right. Yeah, I've prayed for people. Some were healed, some weren't. Therefore, it's not always God's will to heal. So we'll roll off that. Yeah, and it'll seem right, but it ends in destruction. Well, come on, brother. He heals some, but he doesn't heal them all. Show me that in the sun. Oh, come on, bro. Sometimes he uses sickness to teach us a lesson. Show me that in the sun. Oh, you know, bro, it's not always his will to heal, you know. Show me that in the sun. That's right. You can't show me that in the sun because it was never in the sun. So don't eat it. No matter how right it seems, or how good it feels, or how correct it might seem to the unrenewed mind, if you don't see it in the life of the sun, don't eat it. Otherwise you become no different than Eve, who decided to listen to every other voice except his voice. And if you're not careful, you'll begin to let life speak louder than the sun. And then life becomes our Lord, instead of letting him be Lord and Lord over our life. And then we allow our experiences and human wisdom to define God for us, instead of humbly submitting to the sun and letting him define God for us. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says that we are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We're destroyed for the lack of knowledge, not the will or choice of God. It's the lack of knowledge. So if we get the knowledge, we can stop the destruction. Curry Blake, who is the director of John G. Lake Ministries, he sees a 97% success rate in healing the sick. He's also raised the dead, including his own daughters, and he often sees 100% healing in his meetings. And one thing he often says is, the only hindrance to healing is believing there are hindrances to healing. So we want to get the knowledge so that we can remove the hindrances so that we can stop the destruction because we're destroyed for the lack of knowledge, not the will, a choice of God. He's a good God. He is never against us and he has paid the price for us already. Romans chapter 3 verses 4 says, Let God be true and every man a liar. If God's word says he heals all our diseases, then he heals all our diseases regardless of what our experiences say. In his grace, he has already supplied healing and it's now on us as sons and daughters, as stewards to appropriate that by faith. Jesus is the revealed will of God and we're to follow his perfect example until it becomes our possible experience because he said we can. John chapter 14 verse 12, those who believe in me will do the same works I have done. It's possible guys. Now there's only one time in the gospels where we don't see healing and it's not with Jesus, it's with his disciples. In Matthew chapter 17, Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration and a father approaches him saying, Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, you faithless and perverse generation, how long must I put up with you? That's some pretty straight shooting. Today's culture will probably shoot Jesus down for being so quote unquote unloving. And yet here's Jesus saying, you faithless and perverse generation, how long must I put up with you? Jesus then turns to the boy, heals him, and reveals that it's the will of God to heal. Now watch this. Did the disciples get it done? No. But was it the will of God to heal? Yes, but did the disciples get it done? 
No, but was it the will of God to heal? Yes, but the disciples get it done. No, but was it the will of God to heal? Yes. Many times I have been like the disciples and I've not gotten it done. But it does not mean that it was not the will of God. Thankfully for our sake, the disciples pull Jesus aside and they ask him, Jesus, how come we couldn't do it? We've seen it before. How come we couldn't do it? And Jesus, continuing on a straight shoot, he says, because of your unbelief. He didn't say the boy's unbelief or the father's unbelief or the sovereign will of God. No, he said, because of your unbelief. Let us be humble to realize that Jesus is maybe saying the same thing to you and I today. And that's not a condemning thing. Thankfully for our sake, Jesus gives them the solution by saying, this kind, talking about unbelief, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Now, that's a whole other teaching in itself. But the short version of it is that prayer and fasting is a powerful tool for suppressing the flesh, suppressing unbelief, doubt, and all that fleshly yuck stuff and rising up in our spirit man so that we can see things from his perspective. It's the will of God to heal the sick. Jesus is the revealed will of God. And when we've seen the Son, we've seen the Father. And when we observe his life, we see that he healed them all. And then he said, follow me. That's our standard. Refuse to elevate your experiences of life above the excellencies of Christ. God is never meant to be defined through our experiences. He's already been defined through Christ alone. And we're to follow his perfect example until it becomes our possible experience. Because he said we can, it's possible. Take ownership, guys. Like the disciples, we too can fail to get it done because of our unbelief. Don't turn and blame the sick person and don't sell out to the religious version of the sovereignty of God, for example. Instead, turn to prayer and fasting in the secret place, knowing that you can have victory over unbelief and then keep pursuing in the marketplace. Now, I know there'll be a lot of questions and I've only scratched the surface on what we could cover here. So if you do have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook. It's just my name, Lee Malau I know that a lot of those questions will probably be answered over the next few episodes as well, so stay alert for those. But for now, I want to leave you with three questions. The first question, what hinders me from seeing the sick healed? What is preventing me? What is stopping me? Is it fear? Is it the unknown? What is hindering me from seeing the sick healed? Number two, how can I grow in this area of seeing the sick healed? Are there people I need to get around? Are there resources I need to put my head in? Is there a time alone? I've got to get, get alone with God more. How can I grow in this area of seeing the sick healed? And number three, who can I begin to minister and contend for right now? Who do I know who's in pain or in sickness that needs healing? Who can I begin to minister and contend for right now? Let me pray for you. Father, I want to thank you for your son. And I want to thank you for the revealed will of God that we see in the life of Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for your example. I thank you for the hope. I thank you for the promise. And I thank you for the illustration of what's possible within the kingdom. And I thank you that you gave us your spirit. You gave us your word. You gave us your name. You've equipped us with everything we need, Father. And then you said, follow me. He who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And I thank you that you've set the standard for us, Father. And you've invited us in to this relationship where we as sons and daughters can also be a part of bringing heaven on earth. Would you teach us more about this? Would you show us, Holy Spirit, where do we need to grow in this area? What truth needs to come and illuminate and bring light to our eyes? Help us to see what you see so that we can do what you did. I thank you for the abundant life that you invite us into. And I thank you that you desire to set captives free. I thank you that you paid a price for sin and sickness and that you've equipped us to then be like you in this world. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being good to us. We love you and we appreciate you. In Jesus' name, amen.